Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. If you want to support the show, you can click the subscribe button or join the channel, or you can do the same on podcast. You can click the little join button in the description of the podcast, and it's one of these ways to support me. Or if you'd like some really cool merch designed by the fantastic Valentina Angela Rios, uh, you can go to the merch store down below. Um, we're continuing today with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. So, of course, with books like this, mandatory trigger warning. I'm going to be ducking all of the audio, but there are a heck of a lot of racial slurs in here. So if that, uh, which of course are going to be bleeped. By me ducking the audio, I mean by dropping the volume down so that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's bleeped out in a sense. But if those sorts of prejudices do offend you, maybe find another book. Um... Trigger warning. Yeah. Let's get started. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 2 We went tiptoeing along a path amongst the trees back towards the end of the widow's garden, stooping down so as the branches wouldn't scrape our heads. When we was passing by the kitchen, I fell over a root and made a noise. We scratched down and laid still. Miss Watson's big named Jim, was sitting in the kitchen door. We could see him pretty clear because there was a light right behind him. He got up and stretched his neck out about a minute, listening. Then he says, Who there? He listened some more. Then he come tiptoeing down and stood right between us. We could have touched him nearly. Well, likely it was minutes and minutes that there weren't a sound. And we, all there, so close together. There was a place on my ankle got to itching but I couldn't scratch it. And then my ear began to itch, and next my back, right between my shoulders. It seemed like I'd die if I couldn't scratch. Well, I've noticed that plenty of times since. If you're with the quality, or a funeral, or trying to go to sleep and you ain't sleepy, if you're anywheres where it won't do for you to scratch, why, you will itch all over, upwards of a thousand places. Pretty soon, Jim says, Say, who is you? Where is you? Dog my cats if I ain't hear nothing. I go on to sit down here and listens till I hears it again. So he sat down on the ground betwixt me and Tom. He leaned his back up against a tree and stretched out his legs till one of them most touched one of mine. My nose began to itch. It itched till the tears come into my eyes. But I danced scratched. Then it began to itch on the inside. Next I got to itching underneath. I didn't know how I was going to set still. This miserableness went on as much as six or seven minutes, but it seemed a slight longer than that. I was itching in eleven different places now. I reckon I couldn't stand it a minute longer, but I set my teeth hard and got ready to try. Just then, Jim began to breathe heavy. Next he began to snore, and then pretty soon I was comfortable again. Tom, he made a sign to me, kind of a little noise with his mouth, and we went to creeping away on our hands and knees. When we was ten foot off, Tom whispered to me and wanted to tie Jim to the tree for fun, but I said no, he might wake up and make a disturbance, and then they'd find out I weren't in. Then Tom said he hadn't got candles enough, and we'd slip in the kitchen and get some more. I didn't want him to try. I said Jim might wake up and come, but Tom wanted to risk it, so we slid in there and got three candles, and Tom laid five cents on the table for pay. Then we got out 
and I was in a sweat to get away. But nothing would do Tom, but he must crawl to where Jim was, on his hands and knees, and place something on him. I waited, and it seemed a good while, and everything was so still and lonesome. As soon as Tom was back, we cut along the path around the garden fence, and by the by, fetched up on the steep top of the hill, on the other side of the house. Tom said he slipped Jim's hat off his head and hung it on a limb right over him. And Jim stirred a little, but he didn't wake. Afterwards, Jim said the witches bewitched him, put him in a trance, and rode him all over the state, and then set him under the tree again and hung his hat on a limb to show who'd done it. And the next time Jim told it, they said they rode him down to New Orleans. And after that, every time he told it, he spread it more and more. Till, by the by, he said they rode him all over the world and tired him most to death and his back was all over saddle boils. Jim was monstrous proud about it, and he got so he wouldn't hardly notice other neighbors. Neighbors would come miles to hear Jim tell about it, and he was more looked up to than any neighbor in the country. Strange neighbors would stand with their mouths open and look him all over, same as if he was a wanderer. Neighbors is always talking about witches in the dark by the kitchen fire, but whenever one was talking and letting on to know about such things, Jim would happen in and say, Hmm? What do you know about witches? And that nigger was corked up, and had to take a back seat. Jim always kept a five-center piece round his neck with a string, and said it was a charm the devil gave him with his own hands, and told him he could cure anybody with it, and fetch witches whenever he wanted to, just by saying something to it. But he never told what it was he said to it. It would come from all around there, and give Jim anything they had, just for a sight of that five-center piece. But they wouldn't touch it, because the devil had had his hands on it. Jim was most ruined for a servant, because he got so stuck up on account of having seen the devil and being rode by witches. Well, when Tom and me got to the edge of the hilltop, we looked away down in the village, and could see three or four lights twinkling where there was stick folks, maybe. And the stars over us were sparkling ever so fine. And down by the village, there was a river, a whole mile broad, and awful still and grand. We went down the hill and found Joe Harper and Ben Rogers and two or three more boys and hid in the old tan yard. So we unhitched a skiff and pulled down the river two and a half miles to the big scar on the hillside and went ashore. We went into a clump of bushes and Tom made everybody swear to keep the secret and then showed him a hole in the hill right in the thickest part of the bushes. Then we lit the candles and crawled in on our hands and knees. We went about 200 yards and then the cave opened up Tom poked about amongst the passages, and pretty soon ducked under a wall where you wouldn't notice that there was a hole. We went along a narrow place and got into a kind of room all damp and sweaty and cold. And there we stopped. Tom says, Now we'll start this band of robbers and call it Tom Sawyer's Gang. Everybody that wants to join has got to take an oath and write his name in blood. Everybody was willing. So Tom got out a sheet of paper that he wrote the oath on and read it. It swore every boy to stick in the band and never tell any of the secrets. And if anybody done anything to any boy in the band, whichever boy was ordered to kill that person and his family must do it. And he mustn't eat and he mustn't sleep till he'd killed them and hacked a cross in their breast, which was a sign of the band. And nobody that didn't belong to the band could use that mark. And if he did, he must be sued. And if he done it again, he must be killed. And if anybody that belonged to the band told the secrets, he must have his throat cut, and then have his carcass burn up and the ashes scattered all around. 
and his name blotted off the list with blood, and never mentioned again by the band, but have a curse put on it, and be forgot, forever. Everybody said it was a real beautiful oath, and asked Tom if he got it out of his own head. He said some of it, but the rest of it was out of pirate books and robber books, and every gang that was high-toned had it. Some thought it would be good to kill the families of the boys that told secrets. Tom said it was a good idea, so he took out a pencil and wrote it in. Then Ben Rogers said, Here's Huck Finn. He ain't got no family. What you gonna do about him? Well, ain't he got a father? Says Tom Sawyer. Yes, he's got a father, but you can't never find him these days. He used to lay drunk with the hogs in the tan yard, but he ain't been seen in these parts for a year or more. They talked it over, and they was gonna rule me out, because they said every boy must have a family, or somebody to kill, or else it wouldn't be fair and square to the others. But nobody could think of anything to do. Everybody was stumped and sat still. I was most ready to cry, but all at once I thought of a way. And so I offered them Miss Watson. They could kill her. Everybody said, oh, she'll do, she'll do. That's right, Huck can come in. Then they all stuck a pin in their fingers to get blood to sign with, and I made my mark on the paper. Now, says Ben Rogers, what's the line of business in this game? Nothing. Only robbery and murder, Tom says. But who are we going to rob? Houses or cattle or stuff? Stealing cattle and such things ain't robbery. It's burglary, says Tom Sawyer. We ain't burglars. That ain't no sort of style. We are highwaymen. We stop stages and carriages on the road with masks on and kill the people and take their watches and money. Must we always kill the people? Oh, certainly. It's best. Some authorities think different, but mostly it's considered best to kill them. Except some that you bring to the cave here and keep them till they're ransomed. Ransom? What's that? I don't know. But that's what they do. I seen it in books. And so, of course, that's what we gotta do. But how can we do it if we don't know what it is? Why, blame it all. We got to do it. Don't I tell you it's in the books? Do you want to go doing different things from what's in the books and get things all muddled up? Oh, that's all very fine to say, Tom Sawyer. But how in the nation are these fellows going to be ransomed if we don't know how to do it to them? That's the thing I want to get at. Now, what do you reckon it is? Well, I don't know. But perhaps if we keep them till they're ransomed, it means that we keep them till they're dead. Now that's something like. That'll answer. Why couldn't you said that before? We'll keep them till they're ransomed to death. And a bothersome lot they'll be too, eating up everything and always trying to get loose. How you talk, Ben Rogers. How can they get loose when there's a guard over them ready to shoot them down if they move a peg? A guard? Well, that is good. So somebody's got to sit up all night and never get any sleep just to watch them? I think that's foolishness. Why can't a body take a club and ransom as soon as they get here? Because it ain't in the books, so that's why. Now, Ben Rogers, do you want to do things regular or don't you? That's the idea. Don't you reckon that the people that made them books knows what's the correct thing to do? Do you reckon you can learn them anything? Not by a good deal. No, sir. We'll just go on and we'll ransom them the regular way. All right. I don't mind, but I say it's a fool's way anyhow. 
Say, do we kill the women, too? <sighs> well, Ben Rogers, if I wasn't as ignorant as you, I wouldn't let on. Kill the women? No, nobody ever saw anything in the books like that. You fetch them to the cave, and you're always polite as pie to them. And by the by, they fall in love with you, and never want to go home anymore. Well, if that's the way, I'm agreed. But I don't take no stock in it. Might as soon we'll have the cave so cluttered up with women and fellows waiting to be ransomed, there won't be no place for the robbers. But go ahead, I ain't got nothing to say. Little Tommy Barnes was asleep now, and when they waked him up, he was scared and cried and said he wanted to go home to his ma and didn't want to be a robin no more. So they all made fun of him and called him a crybaby, and that made him mad, and he said we'd go straight and tell all the secrets. But Tom gave him five cents to keep quiet and said we'd all go home and meet next week and rob somebody and kill some people. Ben Rogers said he couldn't get out much, only Sundays, and said he wanted to begin next Sunday, but all the boys said it would be wicked to do it on Sunday, and that settled the thing. They agreed to get together and fix a day as soon as they could, and then we elected Tom Sawyer as first captain and Joe Harper as second captain of the gang, and so started home. I clung up the shed and crept into my window just before day was breaking. My new clothes were all greased up and clay, and I was dog-tired. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe or join the channel or podcast. It really means the world to me and allows me to do this full time, which would be fan-bloody-tastic. That's all i got to say. Once again, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.